Let's take our Bibles. We're going to turn to Psalm 130, page 713 in the Bible. Once in a while, I touch upon the theme that we have for this year, which is the fear of God. Psalm 130. With the title, A Song of Ascents. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. With him is abundant redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Take a look at verse 4. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. After the sermon, we're going to sing Amazing Grace. It's in the provisional handout and uh, page 50. Congregation loved by Jesus Christ, our Lord, have you been saved in 2023? Have you been saved? Have you been spared? Maybe it's been something like a car accident, some medical emergency, some extreme weather situation you found yourself in. How about you and your family? Maybe your family's been through this. Our family, we can think of a few times we've been spared by God. A couple years ago, there was a fire going through Colorado, burned whole subdivisions down to nothing. We were a little ways away from that, about a mile. But we saw how strange it was that it was a house standing by itself, and all those around had been leveled. A couple of years ago, our family had been through some sort of a tornado event. We came through that. Wow, God was there. Our lives were in his hand, and he spared us. This is a good time. We're, in a, we're about to start a new year. How about we look back and think about those times that God has spared you? What has God saved you from? Have you experienced escape that leaves you in awe? Escape where the adrenaline is going. Fear flowing through your veins and amazement that you've come away alive. Because closing off this year, we're looking at Psalm 130 and it's saying, there is this forgiveness that God would be feared. He forgives. You're spared this guilt that's upon your shoulders so that you would fear God, that you would be in amazement 
that you would fall down and worship, that you would never see life the same again. That's the message of Psalm 130, the Lord forgives so that you would fear him. You've been redeemed to fear him. I'm going to go through three points here. First of all, this awareness. Psalm 130 verse 4 is unusual. When I first came across it years ago, it seemed backwards to me, and I wondered if it was a translation thing. God forgives so that people would fear him. And and I had been used to my Bible enough that I knew the pattern was almost always the other way around. The pattern is God forgives those who already fear him. Right? You can just think of Psalm 103. It's probably the most famous. God forgives those who already do fear him. It says, so great is his love for those who fear him. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. You expect this, that, that only if you already have some awesome respect, some worshipful humility, then God would forgive you. That's been the pattern. Except 130 verse 4 doesn't fit that pattern. It's the opposite way. He forgives so that you would fear God. So that you would have amazement, respect, so that you would fall to your knees. The point is God saves you from disaster. Like you could have been going down in flames, but God has left you standing. And He's left you standing so that you're asking, what's going on? Why me? Of all people, why me? Why us? And you'll see this happening elsewhere in the Scriptures. If you, if you look for it, Psalm 119, verse 38. Let me read Jeremiah 33, verse 8 and 9. Nations will fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I will provide for my city. There will be such an outpouring of prosperity and blessing and goodness from God that it shakes people up to their core. Psalm 130. Let's look at it. Opening verses, a song of ascents. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? This psalm begins with an awareness of who you are. It begins with a certain kind of fear. This is the normal kind of fear. Every one of us, used to the scared kind. And it's, it's going like this. Lord, what if, what if you don't hear me? What if you don't answer my prayer? What if you were to even document all my sins? Who could stand? And it begins with a sense of God's holiness. A sense of His wrath and His judgment that's deserved. Who can stand? Definitely not me. You get the sense of God's judgment that He is approaching. Time is running out. And you know it, the world's broken. The earth is shaking. The economy is very unstable. The government shakes. The future of our lives 
trembles. I'm sure, I'm sure you, feel it, you feel anxiety. You know what tremors are like in your own life, the worries and fears that you have, but not everyone knows that that is a sign of God's coming. Not everyone knows that God is coming in judgment. How could they know it's God? To them, it's just like, oh, it's the economy, or it's the politics, it's the health crisis we're in, it's the environment that's... Are you aware of what's going on? Because there's this title over the psalm, a psalm of a sense. A psalm, one of those for going up, ascending. One of those, remember in the summer we heard about these psalms, where especially for those major feast days, three times a year, you would leave behind your hometown and go all the way to Jerusalem, the capital city where the temple was. You were going up because that's in the hill country. And there was this excitement in the Psalms, how glad I was when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. And that was like Psalm 122, but, but you get these ones, like Psalm 133, or 130. It says, what are we getting ourselves into? Who can go up to the Lord? Who can stand in his holy house? As you approach the Lord, you, you finally get a sense of His holiness. The closer you get to His house, to His people, to His Word, the more you have a sense of, I'm a little out of place here, aren't I? How awesome is the Lord? And they, they could visually notice in their day, look at all the gold. When was the last time you saw that much sparkle? Look at all the stones, the buildings of the temple. Even the disciples remarked on that. Awesome. Who are we? Who am I? Look at how God hates sin. Isn't that something you notice as you see that Old Testament temple? The bloody sacrifices. All the death in order for you to enter. All the gates to shut people out. Think of all the walls and the curtains and the gates. All the guards and the gatekeepers with their swords. You shall not enter. Isn't there some sort of shiver going up your spine? Woe is me. What was I thinking? Psalm 130. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? And that's our first point. Do you know what you're getting into? Because it's easy to downplay sin when, when you stay far from God. No big deal. Everybody does it. But the closer you come to the Lord, the more you know He is coming. And He is awesome. He's coming in judgment. And His storm clouds, the clouds of smoke and fire, everything is stirred up as He approaches the earth. Will he have mercy? Who can stand? Lord, help. Now we look at our second point, verse 4. Because you have to start with the awareness that God is awesome. That he is coming. But there's the awe with you, there is forgiveness. 
There's forgiveness with you that you may be feared. And I want you to notice, this is not the typical dictionary kind of fear. The dictionary kind is the phobia, the the one that makes you run away when you're afraid. Here you have the same word with a different meaning. This is the fear of God. With you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. A new kind of fear. A fear when you're scared of someone as if he's from another world and you were not ready for who that person was. Let me try to illustrate this. What this other kind of fear is in human terms. Imagine you're a young boy or girl. Let's say you're five years old. And imagine you grew up in a country very different from ours. Imagine growing up in wartime, let's say in Afghanistan. That's all you've ever known is war. You've seen enemy soldiers. You've seen them in uniform. You see them rigged out with their tactical gear, all their weapons. And one day when you're at home, You're just playing at home with your brother and sister and you hear someone coming to the front door. And you peek through the curtain, you see a soldier. And you hear his boots on the front step. You get enough of a glance to know this is a soldier in his full outfit. Would you be scared? What happens when he steps inside your house and you find out this is your dad? in his military gear. And you're in awe of your dad. You love your dad. Your enemies, the enemies are scared of your dad. And you, there's a word for this, you fear your dad. He's the one who saves you, who fights for you. And you admire him. You are in awe of him. You love him. You're terrified. And you love him. Psalm 130, verse 4. The Lord forgives so that we would be fearing Him. That we would be in awe of God with that kind of loving admiration, that respect that puts us to our knees. That we would find relief, that we would find joy in the most terrifying God. That you would find relief And joy in the most terrifying God. Why does the Lord forgive your sins? Verse 4. So that you would be overwhelmed. So you'd be flooded with relief and joy. And you would say, this is my heavenly Father. Look, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you go to Him. God is your mighty rock. He is your shield. He is your fortress. He's your hideout. He is the consuming fire who destroys all his foes. But to you, you run to him. And you find safety. So the true fear of God is this awesome respect for God. I can't believe it. He has left me standing. He has given me life. I I should have died. It's like I've come through a storm, I've gone through disease or faced my enemy and somehow come through and I'm left standing. 
Why me, Lord? I owe you my life. That's the response of this kind of fear, the childlike fear of God. You have shown me mercy. My life's never going to be the same. I owe you. We have examples of this in the Gospels, this kind of fear of God. There's redemption. There's God's grace. And you would expect every time there is that level of grace, absolutely undeserved kindness of God, you'd expect every time people to fall down and worship. But it doesn't always happen. Some people are ho-hum about God's grace. There's no fear of God. Think of the ten lepers. Luke chapter 17, the ten lepers who are healed by the Lord Jesus, they've been kept away from people because of that skin disease that they have. Their skin is rotting on them. But Jesus has healed ten lepers. An awesome miracle. Go show yourself to the priests as a testimony to them. And you never see nine of them again. And only one of them. And of all the ones that, the only one that you see happens to be this outsider reject, a Samaritan, and he comes and falls down before the Lord Jesus to worship, to say thanks. He was shown mercy by the Lord Jesus, and now he fears him. He comes before Jesus, and no one else sees Jesus the way he does. He sees Jesus as someone from another world. I'm absolutely unworthy to be in your presence. And he falls down. He is amazed by the grace of God. There's another example. A parable in Matthew 18. A servant who's owed his boss 10,000 talents, which is like millions of dollars. And he can't pay, so he falls down and he begs and he pleads. And his boss forgives him. The impossible. What should happen? You'd expect some fear. Some total relief and joy. Some admiration. But you know how that story goes in Matthew 18. Somebody owes him maybe a thousand bucks. And he goes at the guy's throat. Unchanged. He does not know how to forgive someone else the way he's been forgiven. He was not amazed by grace. There's no fear of God in him. And there's more. I'll give you another example. In Luke chapter 7, a woman, a sinful woman, came to see Jesus while Jesus was having dinner at the Pharisee's house. And this woman had an alabaster jar of ointment, a very expensive one, which she used with... She used that ointment with her tears in her hair and she was washing Jesus' feet. And Jesus points out to the Pharisee, you know that she is super thankful. You know that she is overwhelmed with the grace of forgiveness. Essentially, she feared the Lord Jesus Christ. She was in awe of him, amazed at God's grace. And the Pharisee, what was he? He wouldn't even arrange to have Jesus' feet washed like most good, hospitable people. 
That's really the point of Psalm 130, verse 4. You'll find it in the Scriptures that God's salvation, His forgiveness, His grace creates this atmosphere, this, this sense of amazement. You know that you're unworthy and you fall to your knees. Why would the most holy, why would the awesome Creator God look upon me in love? Are you surprised by God's forgiveness? Are you amazed that God would forgive you? And think about it. Maybe you go to the city sometimes, you see hundreds or thousands of people. You've been to an airport, you can just see so many people at once, and you're reminded, why would he choose me of all people? Now, it's possible you hear this in the Bible, you, you, you think nothing of it, you shrug it off. Ah, the Lord rescued me, it's no big deal. It's like this happens in the Bible. Some people think salvation is a covenant, like a contract, like a promise and an obligation. God promises a few things, and you are going to do a few things in return, say a few prayers, be a good person. God's going to keep His end of the deal. He'll forgive me, and He'll show me the way into heaven. You know that's not in the Bible, right? That is some sort of a contract. That's not in the Bible. The point is God redeems you and He saves you from disaster. Forgiveness is one example of disaster, but He saves you from one disaster after another so that you would be changed. You'd be a new person, a new a man, woman, a boy, a girl. You'd be looking up to God and you'd say, I love you. I owe you my life. I'll never be the same again because of your grace. So you have this awe. That's our second point. The Lord forgives an unworthy people so that we would be absolutely in awe. That we would be changed and thankful and forgiving. Full of worship. We got a third point here. The rest of Psalm 130. Verses 5 and 6. This is about waiting. And I had to make it start with A-W, so awaiting. Verses 5 and 6. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in His word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. And you get a sense now that something has changed in this person. The psalmist. We had sorrow, anxiety, the scared fear at first. That's one kind of fear. Back in verse 1, Lord, will you hear my voice? If you will mark my iniquities, if you keep a record of my sins, who could stand? There's this fear of punishment, fear of wrath, fearing of encountering God with guilt. But now, notice, we've encountered a different kind of fear. I wait for the Lord. I look forward 
to the Lord. More than watchmen, more than, you know, think of security guards and soldiers who have to stay up in the darkest, loneliest parts of the night. Who are you waiting for? I'm waiting for the Lord. Isn't that scary? Not that kind of scary. No. Not that kind of fear. I can't wait for the Lord because of who He is. There's no shame with Him. No more hiding from Him. I used to hide my sin from other people. I used to hide my sin from God. My conscience was annoying me. But with you, there is forgiveness. I fear you. I run to you. I can't wait for you. Why can't you wait for the Lord? Because there's so much redemption in Him. Forgiveness. Forgiveness, that was just the beginning. Maybe I have to remind you of what we learned in Ruth about forgiveness, um, about redemption. Remember the layers of redemption? Survival and getting food for the day was one redemption. How about children and offspring? Redemption. How about land and inheritance? Redemption. There's, there's multiple layers of redemption. And here's the point. You're waiting for more than forgiveness. Forgiveness, that was one layer. That in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven you. That you would be in awe of God. Of His amazing grace. But did you know there's more coming, right? Look at how this switched to preaching in verse 7 and 8. Oh, Israel, let me tell you, Israel, let me tell you, God's people, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy. With Him is abundant redemption. Oh, what kind of redemption? Abundant redemption. Forgiveness was just a taste. How about that full redemption? If he's just saved my life, if I look back and he's just saved my life in one way this past year, let's say it was just something like a car accident. He spared my life. What about that just being the tip of the iceberg? What about that just being a sign of full redemption? How about conquering sin? You ever think of that kind of redemption? That you would defeat sin. You would resist the devil more and more. That you would fear him. God would bring you through victory against sin. That you would fear him more. How about conquering those useless fears and worries and anxieties that you have? God redeems you from that. So that you would fear Him more. What about the Holy Spirit filling you with courage where you find you don't have any courage. You're nervous to speak about your faith in Jesus Christ. You have a hard time witnessing. What about that full redemption that you would now come out with courage in the Spirit? You find yourself speaking to others where you normally would have been scared. And you turn to God in awe. 
I didn't see that coming from inside myself. It was you, Lord. What about making it through the coming ups and downs of the new year? What about looking for this perseverance, this redemption to make it through in faithfulness, in perseverance? You look back and you say, Lord, it was all you the whole way. With you there is abundant redemption. And what about the new heavens and the new earth? Yeah, again, He will spare us. He will save us. He will redeem us. All the time. So that we would fear Him more. That we would fear Him forever. You are God Almighty. You are enthroned in the heavens. And you have had mercy on me. All this abundant redemption so that we would be in awe of God more. Do you think that coming to heaven you would have less awe for God? Less fear of God? No. No, we're only beginning. And forgiveness in Christ's blood is only the beginning. You're meant to ask every day, why have you spared me? Let's be asking that. Lord, why have you spared me? I owe you my life. How amazing is your grace. Amen.